Good afternoon and welcome to Susan Harmon Experience. She, where again we have another exciting day. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, seriously, we're halfway through 2020. And uh, I don't know, it, it, it just seems like it just started. Only, you know, in our world, uh, there's something new every day going on. And we have our resident astrologer here today to address that, Cheryl Hopkins. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Eric, my man, how are you? Hey, happy Friday, Susan. I'm doing all right. It's a beautiful day. I know Friday's your favorite day because you get to spend it with me. That's, that's part of it. That's for sure. <laughs> and you, your work weekends, little details. Yes, yes. <laughs> nice to have a couple of days off, even, you know, even during quarantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, remember I mentioned a few weeks ago how uh, Arizona jumped the gun? Yes. Uh, Many states I, jumped the gun. The, these are these are the kind of things I'm really not happy about being right about. Mm -hmm. uh, because we've had more people dying and there's more of an attitude of people like, well, let them die. You know, I'm like, uh, no. And what I found interesting that in Arizona, it's more and more younger people that are uh, coming down with COVID-19, the 30 to 40 year olds. So um, that's fascinating to me. Well, they're the ones that are mostly out and circulating, right? That's right. They're at the bars. They're at the bars. And that's where they say the little contract tracing that they are doing here, which is almost not existent. I just find contact tracing so important in dealing with this. Wear a mask, stupid. Uh, wear a mask. <laughs> Do some social distancing. Don't go out if you don't need to. And um, contact tracing. Those three things alone are huge. I mean, look at how well they've done in New Zealand. Right. You know, bite the bullet and get it over with. We haven't even finished the first wave. We, we, we're still in the first wave. We haven't hit a second wave. And we're failing miserably. It's It's... I am so disappointed in how people are letting politics and their greed for the economy to override people's health and lives. It's crazy. So what do you think, Cheryl? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> doesn't it doesn't it somewhat feel like this is deja vu all over again in a way in terms of um, having people rising up because they are mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore, quote, yep. unquote. Remember uh, that line from Network, the movie? Yep. Dating yep. itself. But Opening the window and hollering out, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Exactly. And that that is where we're at, and, and justifiably so. Um, we've got five planets retrograde this month. And I yes. think I said it last month, like really through the end of October, we are going to go one um, uh, from five to six planets a month retrograde. And so when you have that kind of scenario, first of all, to start, it's as if you, you on one hand, there's a feeling of kind of no matter how much you you're spent, you're moving and you feel like you're making covering ground. 
you feel like you're not really getting anywhere for the amount of effort that you're putting into it on one mm -hmm. hand. And then there's the other feeling of feeling like you're, you're really stuck. Okay. Uh, a positive uh, way of looking at having so many planets retrograde is that it gives you the opportunity to go over old ground and right. see. And, in turn, and, and deal with things internally. Right. You know, exactly. Because it's I, I like to think of it as um, at least when you have the retrograde planet in your chart, I like to think of it as um, this is the lifetime where you're, you're kind of like creating a new scaffolding to build a new uh, expression of that particular planet because you are you know, D, your genetic DNA is to express the planet from a past point of view retrograde you know from behind looking from behind the shoulder so to speak but when it's transiting meaning where the planets currently are in the sky it when they retrograde it's just a time to go over the meaning so of course mercury retrograde um is retrograding in cancer um and so people who have planets in cancer capricorn aries and uh libra um will find themselves certainly impacted um especially cancer capricorn it's a great opportunity to review um, past projects, past ideas, you know, pulling out um, uh, things that you didn't quite finish and maybe with fresh eyes, seeing how to get through them, uh, cleaning up things, etc. We have Jupiter retrograde. Well, Jupiter retrograde is an opportunity to get right with yourself, you know, to yeah. reconnect with your integrity, to be able to reconnect with a sense of faith. Now, of course, these are the positive expressions of Jupiter. Um, Saturn retrograde, it's time to, you know, finally stand up and take on that responsibility. Finish the job, you know. Um, recognize that it's time for you to uh, account for yourself in that way if you haven't been putting in the necessary work to accomplish whatever the goal or the manifestation that you're desiring to make happen. And then, of sure. course, yeah. Oh, how long is, is Jupiter going to be retrograde? Because I think I have a lot I have to do. <laughs> wow. Well, Jupiter is going to be retrograde through the 13th of September. Okay. I got time. Yeah. Now, Mercury will go direct in its orbit on the 12th of July. Okay. So that's yeah. a good good news. And uh, Saturn continues to be retrograde. It looks like um, through, let me see here. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where are you, Saturn? Ah, yes, through the 29th of September. Okay, okay. yeah, okay. so so we have that now. It also, as part of that, Saturn is going to be re approaching the same alignment that it had with Pluto in January. Now, you remember everybody talking about this big aspect that was happening and it was going to be, you know, intense. Well, yes, it was, it still is, and it, it will, yeah, oh, yeah, it continues on. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So it's like that that aspect kind of coming back in alignment, the alignment will not be exact. It'll be within three degrees of, you know, um, each other. But it will it's almost like an echo, you know, of mm -hmm. the that were happening in January and before then, because January was just the time when it was coming into alignment. The energy was actually in place starting in, in 2008, intensifying at the winter solstice in 2017 when Saturn entered Capricorn and then further intensifying 
in uh, December of 2019 when Jupiter entered Capricorn and then coming into full alignment in that January. So that will be like a repeat. It'll be like, you know, the matrix redo, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the impact, I mean, the, the virus is one, certainly. Uh, the economic impact is another. It's, and, it's And recognizing our institutionalized racism. All of that. It's the great. I mean, it's all set. together. It, it, so, it really is all connected. Well, so that's why when I started out saying, doesn't this feel like deja vu all over again? You know, where people are rising up into the streets and saying, you know, enough, enough is enough. So moving on through the month, the key aspects that I see there are the Jupiter Pluto conjunction. So again, Jupiter Pluto, when they come together, you have the planet of faith and expansion, okay, opportunity, exuberance, and optimism, Jupiter, coming into alignment with the planet of transformation, um, empowerment, um, death, okay, power, power Mm -hmm. issues big time. So in a positive note, we could see, you know, the desire to really um, do right by people. So the efforts towards you know, seriously looking at policing and reforming it, that would come yes. under the Jupiter Pluto, the Pluto aspect. Um, the looking at the idea of reparations uh, for the black uh, descendants of slaves, that can come under that, that heading. Looking at just in general, you know, how we are um, establishing our laws and our environment for the whole society comes under that, that area. And the negative, you know, you can have some pretty extreme out there um, breaking of the law, which we we experience every day when we look at the administration, do we not? Yes, yes, yeah. because there's there's there are two there are two levels of justice in this country. One, if you have money, if mm-hmm. you're wealthy, and mm-hmm. one if you don't, if you right. cannot pay for it. Literally, uh, we are I seeing mean, the Justice Department, which would come under Jupiter. Okay, right. Jupiter Pluto aspect. We are seeing the negative expression of this aspect through Bill Barr and uh, all the things that he has been doing that have flouted our norms, okay? After he leaves that office, there is such a stain on any kind of respect for for the Justice Department. Which Um, we always, no matter where we were politically, I believe, we all really relied on the Justice Department to go above and beyond what the politics were of anything that that was something that I don't want to use the word sacred, but it was it was something you could rely on. Yes, yes, it was an established norm. This is right. That this was independent of the administration. Right. They could not be influenced, and that they were the uh, the lawyers for the land, not for the president, for the right. land, for the country. Okay. Well, we I see mean, that's all been blown to you know high heaven. Um, so yeah, I want to touch on an interesting fact. So, okay. This Jupiter Pluto bit, right? Well, interestingly, when it comes into alignment, it's going to be, uh, in a, a, a close with each other, aligning the whole month, but especially the fifth through the, the 9th of July, that's when they will, it will be the aspect at 23 degrees, the exact degree. Well, interestingly, that is approaching the United States Pluto. And of course we're approaching our Pluto return, which will happen in another uh, two to two to four years. So this is a very Plutonian time for the United States. We're being asked to expand our concept of, you know, our power 
and how we are empowered and we're asked to transform. It is a time of rebirthing this nation. We are literally rebirthing it. Uh, now, more people than ever have heard of Juneteenth, the second Independence Day. At the same time, that's part of the rebirthing process. Um, and of course, it's going to be difficult and there's going to be pushback and there's going to be violence because that aspect is opposing Mercury. Um, and so our thoughts, what we think we know about the country is changing. And then people act in you know different ways. They can get very insecure and very anxious when things don't look the way they think that it should. Um, so Mars is the US Mars is involved in that. And that's where the, the temp, uh, potential for violent action can occur um, for those who don't want change, et cetera. So, you know, we are in a time of upheaval. There's no way to sugarcoat that. And then we have the eclipse happening on the 5th. Wow. The the, the first day mm -hmm. of, of this Jupiter-Pluto alignment, we have the lunar eclipse sitting right on the United States sun uh, in, in Capricorn. You know, so it's like the, made, the message is it's time to really reset who we are and what we stand for. And we'll we'll see as we go through the month and through the summer and through the rest of the year how well we do with hearing the messages. Well, I'm going to hold uh, light around my country because mm -hmm. I I really believe we can be the shining city on the hill. I, yeah. I we, we 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 slide in and out of it. We do a lot of stuff. We always have that that hasn't been great. The United States is a mixed bag. It always has been. But it's never been a fascist state before. Yeah. And that is a whole new thing that, that you know, people don't want to admit it. When you decide that your politics supersede your country. And your humanity. And your humanity. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. where, where you can justify, you know, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, so we can compare it to Nazi Germany. We can do all kinds of things, but I think we need to not focus on that, and we need to focus on who we are at our core. If we believe that we're a loving, giving, kind people at our core, and that we don't operate, when you operate from fear, you 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 act in anger. Yes, and uh, when you act in anger. You can't come from a place of love. Right. So that is having to shift ourselves. And that's why I think all these planets being retrograde is so important because we have to internalize this stuff. We have to go within ourselves and look and see who am I right. and what is my role in relationship to my society's role. Absolutely. That's 100% correct. And and what's also interesting, as you were speaking, I, I was reminded of the fact that this same aspect is in a, in a trine, the most beneficial flowing interaction with the United States Neptune, which sits in the ninth house. And so the Perfect. Neptune is about the ideal, okay? Yes. The ideal. Yes. And it's sitting in the ninth house of higher understanding and beliefs. And it really represents that phrase you use that we, you see us as a shining uh, city on a hill, right? It's that, that the dream, the dream yes. the ideal that we, ha we have of ourselves. But the problem here is the fact that there are some within the culture who first, you know, as um, expressed by Chiron and Aries in fourth house, when they think of America, they don't see, you know, 
the the black person, the the woman, the um, LGBTQ person, or the Latino. They don't. That's not who they see as as America. And it's those people who you know can terrified. be absolutely terrified. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are the people who showed up with guns in the Michigan State House. You know, right. so right. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I'm going to keep holding the light. That's I'm going to keep being as, as loving and as kind as I possibly can. And sometimes it's really rather difficult. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. So um, I don't want intend or don't want to come with a downer of a message. But, right. No, um, but we have to pay attention. Yeah. And there are some days when, you know, you're going to have to tackle that, you know, dirty house or filthy room. <laughs> or a problem that you don't want to deal with. And this right. is where we are. So there we you are. go. That's it. Thank you, Cheryl. It's always good to have you on live instead of just the recording because we interact. <laughs> I know. And I, I love the interaction. Oh, thank yeah. you so much, Susan. All right, All honey. Bye, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was that was really amazing. Um, I believe we have Tanya Swanson standing by. I'm here. Uh, Hey Tanya, um, the re hey Tanya is a friend of the show, and she's a friend of mine. And uh, you know, I've been kind of self not quarantining so much as uh, keeping an eye out, you know, <laughs> because uh, Tanya's husband came home a week ago with uh, symptoms of COVID-19 and I would like for her, you know, I'm always hearing, well, anybody can go get tested. <laughs> not so fast, not so easy. Honestly, Tanya, you're one of the most uh, resourceful people I know. I mean, you know how to find things, you know how to get things done. I'd like you to share with the folks your experience here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona on getting your husband tested. Yeah, um, so just to kind of tell everyone, it, it's been, it was extremely frustrating. Um, I do think that I'm pretty savvy. Um, I work on a computer every day. I work in marketing. I, I know my way around um, and how to contact people. I'm pretty um, persistent, um, all of that. He came home sick Friday um, with temperatures, and right away we were like, okay, uh, this is not normal because um, just to kind of preface this for your 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 um, audience, my husband just rarely ever gets ill. He's just not one of those people. He, so when he gets sick, it's like, whoa, something's going on. Um, so he kind of suffered through the weekend as I was trying to find a place to get tested. Every place I called, every place I went online, uh, literally had no availabilities for the rest of the week. Um, I called them in person. I went online. I went into the, like, I even went into a store, um, CVS, and was like, listen, my husband. CVS, for those that you don't know, is a drugstore. Right. And, they're, yeah. and they advertise that they're doing testing, both yeah. Walgreens and CVS, that they're doing testing. Not yeah. so fast. <laughs> right. And so everyone just looked at me like, I don't know what to tell you, lady. Uh, we don't have any testing kits. Nothing's available. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Luckily, um, I called 
uh, Next Care, which is an urgent care facility that advertises online that they're doing um, curbside testing. Um, I called them Monday morning, like early in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, and um, she was like, well, we're really short on tests but I think I can get your husband in here on uh, 6.30 p.m. on, I believe it was Tuesday night. Tuesday, right, yeah. Yeah, Tuesday night. So we're like, oh, whoo, and, uh, this is great. Now, in the meantime, there are a lot of people at his work who are getting sick. Uh, so this, over the weekend, three others went down. By Tuesday, like, I think another two people had, had gotten sick were showing the same symptoms, and they are all running into the same problem. And they were actually like, oh, my God, how did you even get get that so quickly? Because they're telling these people, oh, maybe next week, another week, before they could even That's get insane. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I even reached out, Susan, you know this, I even reached out to the hospital because I have a friend who's a nurse at Banner and was like, hey, are you guys giving any testing? Is there any way I could get a test for Kyle? And she's like, no, they're not doing any testing at the hospital unless you have, uh, you're coming in for a procedure. So he was like going to go in and have some kind of surgery. They were like, okay, well, we'll give you a test before you come in. But other than that, they're not providing any testing. So we go there Tuesday night. He does the nose. It's the nose swab. Um, we walk out of there and we're like, and she tells us, um, a few days. So while I'm in there, I'm like, well, should I get myself tested? Should I get my kids tested? And she said, no. Why? Because they don't have enough. They're short as it is. She's like, you just have to assume that you all have COVID and quarantine yourself. Um, then Wednesday we get a phone call from the clinic. They dropped. The test. They dropped the test. They dropped it on the floor. Could he come back in and retest Thursday? So yesterday he we took him back in. And mind you, he's still running. Like today is Friday. It's been a week. He's still running a fever. Like mm-hmm. we've been manage, managing it, but it, it hasn't gone away. And so we go back in there. He takes another test. This time they take it in the throat. And um, and now we're just waiting again. Well, we're, we're, we know that it's COVID-19. I mean, there's... Right. The, oh, yeah. yeah. So and I also have kind of self-isolated a bit because I saw you last Wednesday. Yeah. Now, yes. my feeling was you could have had... You could have been asymptomatic when I saw you. Very likely, but yeah. still have had it because it takes what about a week or so for symptoms to show up exactly. after you've contracted it. And so I've been, you know, just like um, you know, I saw my one friend and I said, "Listen, you need to know I may have been exposed to COVID nineteen, so mm-hmm. I I don't feel like I did, but I want to keep track of it and I want to, um, you know." I'll let people know that I was around, that it's a possibility because the other, besides wearing masks and getting tested, tracing is super important. Super important. And I think, um, you know, that 
that's been the frustrating part besides getting tested is, you know, we are all been racking our brains trying to think of how we were exposed. Obviously, I mean, at this point, we know he was exposed at work. He came home and, you know, unknowingly exposed all of us. And just so people know, like, we were not one of those people who like thought this was nonsense. Like we were taking precautions. No, you were. You when you, you when I went to your place, you and I went to get something to eat before I had to go get my daughter from the airport, and mm-hmm. we were both wearing masks. Yeah, and I had them feed us in the back where no one was. In the back where nobody else was. We were we isolated. We were wearing masks. You know. You know and. I mean, I honestly don't feel I have it. Good, good. You know, I'm not worried about it, but I don't see anything. It's not a fearful thing. It's an intelligent thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, If you don't mind, Susan, I would love to share a story with you because I thought this was really interesting. Um, um, Just so your audience knows, I am a Reiki healer. And so I thought, like, oh, my gosh. When I was on social media, I haven't really seen anyone really kind of tell their story. Like, what symptoms have they had? Because, you know, it, like it brings people comfort to know, like, hey, this person is going through it. What kind of symptoms? Oh, yeah, I had those are my symptoms. You know, you kind of feel support. So I thought, so I went on social media and I put it out there like, hey, you know, we're pretty sure we have COVID, you know, just wanted to kind of share my journey and my story with you as we go through this. And I had, like, three people attack me on social media. Three people that what? They attacked me on social media, like, basically telling me that I was a sheep, I was making it up, um, <laughs> that I was, um, someone called me, um, pandemic Karen. <laughs> I thought that was kind of, I was like, wow, that's really clever, but you no, need new sorry, friends. dude, not. <laughs> you need and I new was, friends. And I was like horrified. And then I had people like, well, you must not be healthy. You must not be taking care of yourself. No, like, no, no, no. That's totally health shame like they were health shaming me because I got <laughs> sick from a virus so um it's been kind of crazy I decided to kind of take myself off just because right now um I have been having some mild symptoms and I just don't want that negativity but right, I am right. going to tell my story afterwards when this is all said and done because you know what I've been looking for other people to share who's gone through this. Because I think there's a sense of like, wow, okay, I can get through this. This is okay. This isn't a definitely, you know, like a death sentence necessarily. No, no, it's it's not. The majority of people do recover. The majority of people do recover. So there is that. There's a whole lot of things that I think a lot of it has attitude, but it's not all attitude. I mean, you still have to be intelligent. So I really, really appreciate you sharing your story because I want people to know uh, if you need testing, it may not be as easy as as you think it might be to get it. So I think, uh, uh, you know, look around and, and plan ahead. Do what you can. And I really feel that, you know, another week or so, Kyle's going to be in good shape. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, just keep doing that. And like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep an eye on pay attention to what I'm doing. Uh, I know that our mutual friend that, that introduced us, Connie, did Reiki on, on Kyle as well. And, yep. you know, she's talking about the colors she saw and all. All this is important. Reiki, energy work, nothing wrong with doing whatever you can, you know, Absolutely. to do whatever Absolutely. And I, and I will tell people, like, um, I've been keeping a really positive. I was scared at first, but now I really kind of changed my mindset. And um, I can honestly tell you since I changed my mindset and I'm just like, you know what? I'm fine. Everything's going to be fine. I do feel better. Um, our Good. thoughts definitely, our mindset can definitely help. And uh, I'm just kind of keeping on a positive attitude, playing it Good. safe, getting rest, drinking lots of water and, that's, that's all you can do. Well, pandemic, Karen, it was nice of you to um, <laughs> come on the show. I appreciate you sharing this because it is helpful for people. So I will talk with you later and uh, thank you for everything you do in the world. Thank you for helping me with my ebook, Being Your Multidimensional Parallel Self. I appreciate you so much. You, you know, you're so an amazing welcome. woman. Thank you so much, Susan. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. I started to call her Karen. <laughs> Tanya. Uh, I believe we have another uh, quick guest on, uh, someone that I've met occasionally, Heather Sherrick. Uh, she's <laughs> going to give us uh, a little bit about some of the stuff that's going on in Gallup, New Mexico, and how some people are being treated differently than others, uh, even more so than, than uh, Tanya's story but people that uh, are in different socioeconomic groups uh, are in different, uh, the difference between uh, whites and natives on how they're being treated uh, in Gallup, New Mexico. Hey, Heather. Oh, hi, Mom. <laughs> hi, Mom. So now you know how she yeah. knows me, right? <laughs> there we go. I gave it away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, out. so um, um, uh, we had another friend that... Uh, was in a meeting and couldn't uh, couldn't tell this story, uh, but uh, she Heather's telling it for her. So, uh, like quickly, yeah. let's uh, um, let's tell people I'll what's tell going you. on in Gallup. Yeah, because Gallup, you know, is a small town and it's it's got you know some of and that it's surrounded by Navajo and and Hopi and yeah, Gallup is a a pretty big reservation. But so what's happening is is they're coming out of the re reservation, you know, like into town, into Gallup, they um, at first Five, weren't letting geez. them off. And then, then they started letting them off, like two in a car only could come off. Like if a, you know, family member, and they would, they basically, um, so what it's ended up being is if you're poor or you're off the reservation or all you have is like the state medical, they're going to tell you there's, there's no space for you. But if you got in, in really good insurance, you know all the the guys with the money and the insurance, they're 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 There's having room no problems at all. Like what she just went through is like that is fast. Like there's no way anyone that's in Gallup with no money or no, you know what I mean, no insurance or state insurance, they're they're, they're not even dealing with them. They're not even they're they're. You know, so there's no. They're not letting them into in. the hospital if they're sick. Yeah, 
yeah, you could, they could see it, you know, because it, they're not like out there saying, oh, no, we're not, you know, they're, well, the medical industry, I don't know, <laughs> they, they, um, some people get treated a lot better than others, and I, I've experienced that on, on different issues, but, yeah, it's, yeah, kind of hard on them in Gallup, you know, it's, it's, So this is something that people need to recognize, that your socioeconomic position, if you're a native, I mean, we know that the Navajo Nation, they talk about New York, but per capita, uh, they're just outstrip everybody else on on, uh, per capita of of members of the Navajo Nation that, uh, you know, have COVID. And uh, this is something we need to look at. We've got to have more love and more caring for all human beings and not just do they have the money to pay for health care. That's part of what's wrong with our country to begin with, going right back to Medicare for all. You know, you shouldn't, health care shouldn't be dependent on if you have money or not. Or do you have the right job? Look at all the people now that that are on, the millions of people that are unemployment who no longer have health insurance because they're on unemployment. Okay. Well, and so it's this too, kind it's of thing. It's a lot Go ahead. cheaper. It's actually cheaper to let them be seen in the clinics and have a regular yeah. care than versus making them go into the emergency room. Right. <laughs> and you're you're spending. You know, it's just it's it's actually economically stupid too. Well, of course, the whole thing is, you and know? it's all about the insurance companies making money. So, you know, right. that's another thing to take a look at. The, you've got to look at the upside of all of this. And I mean, it's really kind of hard sometimes. But if COVID-19, well, it's pulling stuff out into the open. And this is why we wanted to share this uh, with our audience to let them know that there are people who are really, frankly, being left to die because they don't have money. Right. And, it's, and you know, that's been going on in the medical industry for a long time. And I just... You know, with my personal experience, and I just have to say this, a year <laughs> before COVID hit, I was getting sicker than a dog. I've had a couple people, like, kind of even laugh at me, like, oh, I got, like, what, three or four different viruses. Well, a couple of them I had to be hospitalized, <laughs> you know, because, uh, but I didn't get treated um, good. No one, you know, like, okay, so since I didn't have the, COVID or said to have the COVID, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we should be treating people fairly no matter what. Exactly. It's been going on for a long time. Well, times time. they are changing. I just made that up. Well, yeah, but I just noticed the difference between um, Fred's medical care, which he had really good, very, very good medical insurance, versus right. other people I know who don't. And then also, too, like with Ivan, no okay. one is there to help utilize his benefits. So he, you know what I mean? He's I get that. Benefits, so, yeah. We need All right. Well, thank you. Helping I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. And I will talk with you anon. All right. Love you. Have a good day. Thank you. You too, sweetie. Okay, so um, Eric, I kind of want to introduce our next guest before we uh, jump in for a break, just to just to get started. Uh, before we do the break, uh, we have uh, 
Uh, Stephen on the line, Stephen Blumenger. Uh, he's not on the line yet, but uh, we'll do that okay. as soon as we go to our break. But feel free to tell folks uh, what we're going to be talking okay. about when we come back. Well, this is going to be really exciting. We've done all this other stuff, but we're going to be talking about Victoria Peak and the treasures of gold. You know, Apache gold and Yaki silver. This is uh, amazing stuff. Discovery Channel, a whole bunch of really cool stuff uh, going on about treasure hunting. So stay tuned to Susan Harmon Experience, where you will be hearing all the good stuff. Are you ready to become comfortable in your own skin? The Vast Institute's encouraging curriculum is designed to infuse your world with optimism and creative life solutions. Our four pillars of learning provide a holographic toolkit taking you to the next level. If you're ready to experience a quality of life currently beyond your imagination, call us at 206-935-7872 or visit our website at vastinstitute.com to discover how to enrich your life at work or play. Susan Harmon is offering a 20% discount on a bi-locality session if booked by June 15, 2020. Social distancing? No problem. You receive the energy in one location while Susan uses stones and sound in the pyramid at another location. To book your session or to ask about a three-session special, email susan at susanharmon.com or call 206-853-5225. That's 206-853-5225. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome our favorite political pundit, Caroline Heldman of Occidental College, or a deep dive into issues of our times. On Saturday, Marie D. Jones discusses her latest book, Earth Magic, an encyclopedia of natural remedies for whatever ails you. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. From Susan Harmon's private collection, these rare finds are now available for purchase until the end of June 2020. Quartz crystals that are large generators, rare Antarctic crystals with only three available, Russian phenakite, just one amazing specimen left, Czech moldavite of medium-sized high-quality pieces, and various spears. Check out the pictures at Susan Harmon's Facebook page or email susan at susanharmon.com or call 206 206- 6-853-5225. That's 206-853-5225. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Well, we are miners for hearts of gold and real gold, Apache gold and Yaki silver. I have Stephen Blumenger here with me. Um, I'm By way of introduction, I just want to say I met him while having lunch with a friend and I don't know how we got on the subject, but just somewhere out of the clear blue, he started talking about Victoria Peak, which I had never heard of. I never heard about this story about treasure and all of this. And uh, interestingly enough, the more he talked, I started having psychic visions about it. So it was like bing, 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 all this all this stuff was happening. And over the last through three weeks, just tremendously interesting things have occurred. And uh, Stephen and I have gotten to know each other. Uh, And this is fascinating. So, hey, Steve, how are you? I'm doing just fine. I want to thank you for having me on the show. I really thank you very much. And the family thanks you as well. 
Well, yeah, because one of the things that uh, I want Steve to tell the audience about is this whole thing at Victoria Peak and his great uncle, Doc Noss, and how his cousin is working with Discovery Channel to do this is fascinating. Can you kind of tell people a little bit about the about the story, you know, with the with the Apache? Well, I know that the Apache and the Buffalo Soldiers had this huge battle there and uh, how that affected what, what your, uh, your great-uncle, Doc Noss, did. Well, that is going to cover a big area, so let's cover a little I know. bit about, about, about my great-uncle, Doc Noss. Um, this is about the late 30s, 38, 37, 38, and he, he lived in New Mexico, and he had met my, my great-aunt, and they had gotten married. And they, uh, he was always a treasure hunter. Being in that area, there's a lot of folklore, which you'll cover about, about the Apaches and about older, older treasures being delivered and being transported up through, up to the United States, up into Utah. Oh, you'll cover that next. But he was always looking for this treasure, and he spoke fluent Spanish. He spoke several uh, Indian languages, and he was just always looking for some of, for, uh, some of these old treasure troves up. And he was, well, he was Cheyenne, too, right? What's that? He was Cheyenne as well. That's right. He was Cheyenne, right. And so th- that's why he would, he would speak to those, you know, the, the, the uh, American Indians, because this was part of their folklore, as we'll cover. But he would always use the guise of going hunting to go out in the desert to look for things, because, you know, it was still the Wild Wild West back then. Right. Sure enough, he uh, he, he was on a peak, a Victoria Peak, uh, because of the information he, and clues he had learned from talking to the Native Americans. And he actually found an entrance in this whole area, if you can imagine, Carlsbad Cavern type of thing, going from New Mexico, even into Arizona, some of that type of uh, a structure. He actually found an entrance that went that down from, in this, from this peak, Victoria, and he went down inside. And he did this more than several times, and it was very difficult uh, um, for him to do that. It wasn't easy just, just going down uh, because uh, tight spaces, it, it was very difficult. But he did find uh, a number of items down in there that, not gold veins, but actually gold deposits, as in um, artifacts, uh, Spaniard armor, helmets, swords, daggers my mother she remembers as a little girl uh being out there and him showing and bringing out like little knives with, with jewels on them and and uh, a couple of gold bars and things such as that so that's a little bit of the history real quick a real high overview of his finding this interesting cavern cavernous mountain and and is exploring it for over well over a 10-year period uh, before he met his de- de- demise, actually he was he was murdered murdered by uh, an individual. He was trying to do some business dealings with that person was exonerated in court. But over about a ten year period, he was always taking things out. He was cashing things out in the desert because you don't know if someone's going to, you know, uh, uh, he'd been um, jumped several times because people thought they had, they had gold or, or money on him. So he was always leery, always always thinking that he was going to lose access to the peaks, so always taking things out of the desert and hiding them. And, and he had a claim now, there, too, oh, yeah. though, right? 
What's that? He had a claim. He had staked a claim. Oh, yeah. Immediately, they, they went to Santa Fe and did a claim. And that was renewed every year. And, uh, in fact, it was the, the renewal process that how my aunt got, actually got the claim in her name. And real quickly, <laughs> great story. I, I, I loved her. She was just a very Midwest type of person. Just, just funny. But she was out, her and Doc were separated at the time. And she was out selling insurance. She came upon the gentleman's door and he opened the door, but he was getting ready. He was in a rush. And she was trying to sell him insurance. And he said, lady, you got to get out of my way. The Doc Noss mine claim is up today and I'm going to go down to the SA office and get it my name. <laughs> I love it. She would, so she went down to the SA office, tried to get the, the claim renewed in Doc's name her husband's name. But the person that had the claim actually had to be present. So because she was the only one, the claim went in her name. And that's how she got That's it. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about And then he left her. Yes, they had split up. They had split up. And but yeah. they got back together and then they were trying both they were out there at the at the peak. They had uh, people working for them. He had, in his efforts to make passageways easier to get through, he hired a demolition expert, expert slash expert, yeah, quote to unquote. increase increase some access. And in doing so, because of inexperience with the topography of the mountain, which we learned later on because we were out there, um, actually kind of buried his access his, that he knew about. Right. And so we spent most of the years later really trying to re-excavate that and open up access to the peak. And and you you and your cousin and, and a whole crew were out there in the early 70s, was it? That's correct. Um, in the 70s, so many, so many people were trying to get access to the peak that the military uh, allowed a group of people, and this was documented on 60 Minutes. Dan Rather was out there. And a group of people, claimants, uh, claimants, and I say that because over the years, of course, people are always looking for, for, for mines and for, for gold. And so right. military, military personnel that were stationed out at the base would go out there and try and find things. Some had found something and so it made a claim. And so that's what this whole process, about 10 days, was all about, was to explore the various claimants and whether they had a basis for uh, their claim or not. And my aunt was the last one that they tried to explore because the other ones panned out to be nothing. And hers was the only one that had access to the peak, but the time was limited up and the military um, then had everyone leave the peak. A lot of people may not know that uh, at that time the military had developed a White Sands missile base there. So people weren't allowed to go on there except through the military. But your family has retained the salvage rights for that all this time. That's correct. In fact, um, we had to go, we had access in uh, the mid-90s. We actually had to get a, a uh, about 25 years ago, we actually had to get an act of Congress to for the military to allow us to. It took an act of Congress, I tell you folks. It took an act of Congress. Because the military said, well, if you're going to go out there, we got to provide security. We have to provide 
guards. We have to have to take you out there because this is a military base where you dropped ordinance. So we have to protect you, and that's going to cost money. And at that time, they believed, although there was, they believed there was no provision for private individuals, such as ourselves or you, to pay for those services to get access to government land. So my cousin, Terry, who has really forged progress and kept this thing moving all these years, um, got several congressmen. They, they got a, an act together that allowed private individuals to pay the government for services that they need to render. And that's how we got And then the, the, the military uh, gave us access to the base. Well, your cousin Terry's a pretty amazing man. I don't know. I think you told me, was it 12,000 documents he has, or is it more than that? I, I mean, it's a huge number of... We have, uh, a very, we have a, yeah, you're right. We have a large archive documents, video, audio, 200,000 pieces of archive. 200,000. I was a little short. <laughs> that's, that's all right. And, uh, and uh, it's all been, it's all copyrighted. It's all owned by us. And you'll see some things on the internet go up. We're always tracking the ownership of that down, so it's taken down specifically things like YouTube videos, things like that, uh, that pop up when we have them taken down because that's all copyright material. But yes, we have an extensive archive, which is to our benefit today if you want to cover that next step. Yeah, and well, one of the things that's fascinating to me is that Terry is right now working with the director from Discovery Channel, uh, putting a putting a show together, and that's uh, that's pretty amazing. I mean, you guys have been, you know, when you said, "Well, have you looked at this up on the internet?" and you said to me, "I'm like, uh, no," and when I did, I was like, "Oh my." Gosh, there's stuff all over the place on this. And the Wahlbergs are involved in this, too. That's right. So um, we had a, we have a producer, and he put together what was needed to take uh, uh, to a real, uh, another producer, which is uh, associated with, with Wahlbergs. He has several divisions. You know, there's scripted and there's non-scripted material. Uh, so Mark Wahlberg... Uh, the Discovery Channel has signed on for what they believe to be like six seasons of the show mm-hmm. to document our family's efforts, but our, our history, and also going forward, try to get access to see what is actually at the peak. And right. graciously, uh, that uh, the producers and Mark Wahlberg have reached out to the Army Chief of Staff. So the original effort through the proper channels of the movie reduction studios of, of um, the Pentagon got an immediate no access. So they reached out to the Army Chief of Staff, who then, through all the proper channels, I believe has reached out to the commander of the base for reasons why we cannot be allowed. So in the meantime, right. they, hired, they hired a director, uh, an Emmy-nominated director, who has been uh, collaborating with my cousin, going over the archive material, developing a direction, and how they're going to begin the show begin the backstory, develop the characters for, um, for an audience. Well, you know, um, this is fascinating, and we're, we're running out of time here, but I want the audience to know that you and I have been <clears throat> talking about <clears throat> this being one of the places where things can be found, and that I've received so much psychic information on this over the last few weeks. It's, it's just been uh, almost on overload uh, that... 
the treasures and looking at Native American legends involved with this. It's just, it's, it's huge. There's this one story that is going to be on Discovery Channel that is amazing all just by itself. I mean, it's just huge. But then there's these other things that are contingent, different people that I had no idea there was this whole thing on treasure hunting going on. I just, you know, just did not know. It is a, it is a huge, huge field. And and part of the part of the subject that hasn't been explored is how did all of this material, how did all this gold and artifacts get up here in the United States? That's subject for that's a whole show in itself. But and you you touched a little bit on that on on the uh, the Native Americans and even down into the Aztecs. Yeah, they said uh, Montezuma sent eight thousand of his men with treasure that scattered through Utah, New Mexico, I and further uh, distances because they believe that's that this is the area where they originated from. And, right. uh, you know, took it back there. And the interesting things, there's, there are accurate stories of how spirits are guarding this. And I've actually been talking to some of those spirits. <laughs> it's, it's a fascinating uh, uh, area all the way around. Just your family story alone is huge. But then you add all this other stuff to it. And you and I have talked a lot about this over the last couple of weeks. That's right. A lot, lot to explore, and to, well, like, like a, like a flower, unpeel each each piece until you get to the center. And there's a lot here. It's it's an amazing story. It's an well, amazing story. story. But how did all this get here? And and uh, the the Mexican Indians, they'll have they've got legends where they speak about uh, these Aztec slaves that were taking trains of gold up and up to their back back to the homeland. And even that's right. Uh, and even the Apache chiefs, the Geronimo and and and, and Victorio, they tried to negotiate uh, their release, and it, by telling the uh, uh, cavalry that if you did, we would take you to a peak of gold. We'll give you gold, so, right? Right. So <clears throat> there there are gold in them, Thar Hills friends. Uh, we are going to have to stop for now. This has been great, but uh, next week. Howard Falco is going to be the guest, and he's going to share ways you can make your life work better for you. I want to say one thing before that. Also, on the 10th of July, Stephen will be returning as my guest. We're going to spend the whole hour talking about all of this and all the things that we're, that we're working on doing. But until then, my friends, there's one thing you must remember, and that is to keep on dancing. <laughs>